Hi, before you start listening to this episode, please be advised that this is our perspective and opinion. It is not meant to harm any group or audience. Thank you. Student voice. It's not heard often, but when it is, it's for the right reasons. This is only because of our representative. Not our representative in the House of Reps, but our student representative in the Board of Education. We know what we want, and we want everyone to know. This is our education, our voice. Hey guys, welcome back to Our Voice Podcast. The education system grows and has continued to be run by a room full of adults. But how would a bunch of adults know what a student wants? This is why we have a student member of the board, representing us students. And today, I'm happy to introduce one of the finalists running for student member of the board this year for Howard County. Peter Banyas. Hi there, thanks for having me. Would you like to tell everyone a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Uh, hey everybody, my name is Peter Banyas and I'm running for your next student member of the board. Um, I've been involved in uh, County HCAS, uh, student member of the board stuff for a while now. Um, over the past two years also, I serve as vice chair of the Legislative Affairs Committee for the Howard County Association of Student Councils. And in that time, I've written a policy proposal that fights for all students' right to demonstrate or protest in school. Um, we saw some disparities between uh, how administrators were helping or actively preventing uh, assemblies from happening with students. Uh, so we decided it was important that we you know, stand up to that and make sure that your school district didn't determine whether or not you had your constitutional right to protest. Uh, so we wrote a policy. Uh, we got it integrated into the Policy 9020 Review Committee. So that's uh, Students' Rights and Responsibilities. Uh, and right now, it's actually coming up as a vote before the Board of Ed on May 11th. Uh, so I'm really excited, hoping that that'll become official policy. So uh, for next year and for all the future students that come into our school system, that you'll have that, um, that a process, an appeals process, to make sure that uh, no single administrator can stop your right to share your voice. Um, that work has also expanded into a statewide effort to pass a bill in the Maryland General Assembly known as HB 753, and I encourage all of you guys to look that up. Um, and that actually passed the Maryland House of Delegates. So we made it to the Senate before um, the legislative session ended uh, just a week or two ago. Um, I also served on the Howard County Policy 7120 Review Committee. Um, I'm president of my class SGA. And in there, I've ran uh, den discussions, which are like town halls, where we have an average of over 60 kids log on um, to our Google Meets. And we talk with each other uh, and with like our SGA and staff about what we should do to make some changes, um, talking about the big issues. Uh, for example, we had one switching from semester one to semester two, and uh, teachers, we actually saw a real difference in the way they taught based on the student feedback. Um, at the, and at the end of the day, you know, I'm running for SMOB to make sure that we have that conversation uh, so that we get the great ideas that all of our students have in this county to the board. And I think SMOB is a perfect way to do that. Could you tell everyone what SMOB is generally for the people who might not be, know what SMOB is? Sure. So SMOB stands for the Student Member of the Board of Education. Um, in our county, we have 57,293 students, um, and that all goes to one single SMOB. Um, whereas on the rest of the board, uh, there are seven adult members who are elected by um, parents and people in the community. Um, so I think it's really, really important that we have that position because that's the only board member that you know makes all the decisions and votes there um, that actually experiences like the product, the, the school system that the board is making decisions for. Um, that the SMOB is the only person there that goes to school on a daily basis and sees the implications and how it works out in the real world um, for, for like the different policies that the board votes on. Um, because the fact is, you know, making decisions on such a high level, um, like system-wide, 
often you, you can lose all the details of what happens just on a person to person level. So having this mob there, you know, being able to talk with kids and get that student input, uh, I think is really important to make sure that our voices are really heard and that feedback loop exists uh, to ever improve our school system. Um, so SMOB is um, actually pretty, we're in a unique position around the county um, because if you go to my website, actually peter4smob.org slash y hyphen SMOB, um, you can learn about voting rights across Maryland. Um, Howard County is one of five counties in Maryland um, where we have partial voting rights. So that means that the SMOB can vote on basically every issue at the board, except for a few uh, restricted ones, including redistricting, uh, school construction, employee discipline, uh, the budget, which is incredibly important, uh, promotion of staff, student suspension, snow days, uh, school lunches, things like that. And there's a few others, but those are the big ones. Uh, but for everything else, the SMOB right now has a vote, uh, an equally weighted vote with all the other board members. Um, so that makes eight uh, with the seven adults and the one SMOB. Um, and I think that's really important uh, to make sure that our voice is heard, that we have one eighth of the power on the board and uh, hoping that and I'll, I'll be able to serve that well. This year is very unique with quarantine everywhere. How do you think your role as student member of the board or possibly like student member of the board, how do you think that's really going to be different from all the past student member of the boards that's had a normal year? Yeah, um, you know, what we've seen huge controversy around the student member of the board this year. Uh, we saw a huge parental outrage over things like the reopening plan. You know, it really shows that SMOB, you know, is often looked over as, you know, just some kid on the board, you know, they don't really matter. But the fact is SMOB can make big decisions. When, when the rest of the board is split on what to do uh, for things like reopening, that the SMOB can make a deciding or, um, you know, gridlocking vote. Um, so as SMOB, you know, like as a candidate for running for next year, um, I, I'm hoping to rebuild and restore our school system with all its heart and soul um, when we go back next year and to make it better. Um, I think, well, you know, the COVID didn't really break our school system, but it showed where the cracks were already forming. Um, some of the big issues include just like the inability of the community and of students to be able to easily contact and talk with and just work with on a person to person level uh, with the board. Um, that's why we saw so many like Facebook groups, you know, where, where we only feed into the frenzy of the people we agree with. Um, and that, you know, will allude a little bit into my civic education platform, uh, Plans for Small Town Halls. Uh, but one of my fundamentally favorite things is my plan for Small Town Halls. So I've, uh, I know all the small for the past, you know, three, four years, um, and it was really difficult for them to actually get student input on a countywide level um, because of some just legal issues of what the small can actually do. Um, so I think three or four years ago, uh, the student member of the board, Anna Brady, um, tried to set up a student advisory committee, uh, which basically would mean that they would have students from uh, different schools around the county. Um, and they, uh, that meant that her, or she as SMOB would be able to talk with those kids. Um, but that was legally not permissible. So, you know, I, I took my time, I did the research and I figured out how to make it um, possible. Um, so I'm running SMOB Town Halls as an open forum thing so that any middle or high school student can just come talk with me person to person about the issues. Um, the, you know, you don't have to get involved in HCAST, uh, you don't have to get a ride, you don't have to dedicate yourself into some official capacity, but you're just able to pop in there and talk with me. Um, and I think, you know, strengthening that communication between the uh, students in the community and the SMOB is important so that you guys know what's going on. Because, you know, there was a bunch of flip-flopping with things like the schedule, uh, but with all the reopening plans and the confusion, no one ever really knew what was happening. And everyone was always frustrated about the board wasn't doing what they needed to do. Um, but we're, if we're able to talk about those things uh, in an open forum, I, I think that'll be very conducive to a much more effective school system. Wow. 
you as an upcoming student member of the board, you're supposed to represent all of what middle school uh, and high school. Even is it even elementary school? Um, elementary schoolers can't vote. Only grades six through eleven can vote. But I do believe that it is my role as a snob to represent all student interests. Ah, so people voting from like six to like twelfth grade. Six to eleven, seniors can't vote. Yep. I see. Well, you're representing all those people. And like, you're giving them a voice. That's like the basis of this whole podcast, giving teens a voice. Is that like putting a lot of weight on your shoulders? Oh, absolutely. It's incredibly empowering. Um, as someone who's been involved in HCAS, the Howard County Association of Student Councils, uh, since seventh grade, that's five years ago. Um, you know, I've seen how there's diverse interest in the county, that there's so many kids who want to make a difference, who have ideas. And I always saw this mob as this you know, position that you have true potential to make a difference. Um, and being the, the, the single student out of 57,293 kids that's able to work on the board and share those views, um, but that's not a responsibility that I take lightly. Um, you know, I, I've been thinking about it, about how much that means. And that's why I've been really diligent, you know, going through my platform, uh, figuring out legally the ways to make sure that we're hearing from all students. Um, because you're right, like it, it's, it's a huge amount of people. Um, and that's why I think that we make sure we hear from a diverse group of people. Because uh, I know like HCAS is a great organization, but a lot of kids don't get involved. And if we're only listening to the ones that are most involved in student government, then there's almost a confirmation bias where we're only hearing from kids that have similar experiences and passions as we do. Um, so through Small Town Halls, I want to you know, be accessible to the middle schoolers that aren't involved in their SGA, um, that just have ideas. And yeah, that, that's the, the ground, ground level for everything. I know there was a lot of problems in society. As soon as quarantine hit, so many problems arose. How do you think you can help the community for, with those problems? Um, do you have any problems in particular? Um, things like racism. I know that's a major thing all like not even with the pandemic, but like it's been a problem since way back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. R racism is a pervasive issue that we've seen since the very beginning of our uh, very beginning of our country, um, since like with the slave trade and everything. Um, and you know, it, it has deep roots in everything in our society, and that's something we have to be aware of. That's why, you know, in all, all the the controversial issues, um, that that I take the time to do my research, make sure I'm not just talking uh, from my perspective, but hear from other students. Um, so some of the things that I hope we need to address racism is just having SMOB, well, just like first off, just like on a basic level, have SMOB stand up to injustice. SMOB it, you know, has a platform, a, a ability to speak out and be the representation of students. Um, that's why I've committed to standing up, you know, whenever I see uh, injustice, hate, things like that in the community, I feel it's my responsibility to bring it up at the board, um, to publicly proclaim that that is unacceptable. Um, because, you know, on, on the bottom line, I, I think the board and our school system exist to cultivate us into a thoughtful, you know, respectful members of society. Um, and the position of small is important to cultivating that. So some of the more tangible proposals that I have um, is bystander intervention training for all our teachers, staff, uh, admins, SROs, everybody. Um, because I think it's really important that we don't just say no bullying, no hate, racism go away. That's not gonna happen. You know, it, those are nice things to say, but the real world is much more complicated than that. Um, so through bystander intervention training, I think that all teachers need to learn how to call out racism, homophobia, uh, and then any other bullying and hate within the classroom, you know, like slurs, microaggressions, things like that. Uh, well, we see huge disparities in suicide rates, for example, with LGBTQ students um, and, you know, constantly being put down, having slurs be used against you. Um, that's incredibly debilitating. Uh, so th that's one of the tangible things that I want our school system to change to make sure that our, you know, 
are the, the people we're supposed to look up to in school, really, are our teachers are really leading by example. Um, to also address, you know, some of the racism stuff, I'd like to reinvigorate our implicit bias training. Uh, because I've talked with uh, Dr. Kosi. She's the director of anti-racism at the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And uh, she said that staff currently receive implicit bias training, but that it's just not effective. And that's an important distinction we need to make with everything um, on the board, uh, like all of our curriculum. Um, because lecturing at adults, students alike, about how to not be racist, how to deal with your mental health, those sort of things, um, it doesn't really stick with people. Implicit bias, by nature, is a very subconscious thing um, that's very personal, uh, like how we interact with other people, how that influences our decisions on a very subconscious level. And being told racism is bad, I think basically everyone can agree with that. But what does that mean for you know, me as a teacher, like if I'm trying to um, run, run my classroom? Uh, so that's why I'd like to reinvigorate implicit bias training to include discussions between teachers um, and not just have it be through uh, modules like it was this year with virtual learning uh, where teachers are just memorizing things, uh, but like we're talking and thinking about what that means as a person. Um, and I think we can apply that to our just like as students as well by having uh, discussions, for example, in English class about, uh, you know, controversial topics, that things like Black Lives Matter. I really appreciated that this year um, or this semester in English class, well, we spent basically the entire time uh, reading about slavery, about racism, um, the civil rights movement, uh, the narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass, and talking about what that means in today's society. Um, teaching kids not just to memorize the facts of the past, but empowering them to think about what racism means with historical context to the present. That's how we empower students to stand up to racism everywhere. Um, you know, standing up to it in the classroom with bystander intervention training, um, making sure that, you know, we're thinking deeply about how we make our decisions through implicit bias training, um, talking about cultural proficiency training as well in there, um, and having discussions in uh, English class that empower us to really stand up to the issues of our time. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Today's a Friday. And you always put out your Fireside Fridays. Do you want to talk about a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Yeah, Fireside Fridays are one of my favorite things that um, you know I started on this uh, campaign. So if for all of you who are wondering what Fireside even means, uh, Fireside gets its roots with Fireside Chats with um, President uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt back with the Great Depression when uh, you know the stock market crashed, nobody knew what was going on. Um, all the you know, big banks were crashing and people assumed that, you know, that, that, that was never gonna happen. Um, so he used fireside chats uh, as radio addresses where, and, and the fireside thing comes from uh, just like the American people sitting, you know, in their living room by the fireplace, listening to the radio. Um, that's why I don't actually have fire on the screen in them. But through those, you know, I want to share the details, explain what's going on. Um, for example, I did one on returning to school. I believe it's my third or fourth, um, where I talked about what the board is considering for summer programs, uh, because the board can spend over seven hours talking through the complex issues. But most kids don't have the time for that. And you shouldn't need to spend over seven hours on a Thursday night when you have homework and extracurriculars to do um, just to figure out what's going on and how it applies to you. Um, so through Fireside Fridays, I try to bring up um, not only what the board's doing, but arguments on different sides of controversial topics. Uh, for example, I talked about um, SROs. I talked about later school start times. Um, you know, uncovering a lot of the deep things that on the surface, most kids don't know about. Uh, for example, later school start times, you know, it sounds great. I, I would love to have 8.30 a.m. Uh, starting times, but it, did you know it costs $6.3 million? There's crazy bus economics um, behind the scenes and uplifting that to the front is really important so that you guys are able to talk with your friends, do your research by yourself um, and like really get into the heart of the matter. 
because step one for authoritarian governments to keeping their you know populace from ever getting involved is to make sure that they don't have access to information. Um, if you never know what's going on, you can't fight it. Um, and I want to be held accountable. I think the board needs to be held accountable. Um, and that's why I'm pushing for slop down halls for fires at Fridays, giving you the information you need to think about it, to come to your own conclusion. And then you can come talk with me about it. You can challenge my opinions um, at my small town halls. Uh, and through doing that every week, um, you know, breaking those issues down in 10 minutes or less, uh, I hope to shrink the seven hours of meetings into something that you can watch in your free time. Another thing that really shined through quarantine was mental health. What, what are you planning to do about that? Yeah, mental health is a incredibly pervasive issue. Uh, it's been terrible for years. It's only gotten worse and worse through uh, COVID. Um, and like the, there have been some studies and, you know, we can see mental health issues are about to hit us like a truck when we go back in person uh, and kids start needing help. Um, so I've asked a lot of kids about, about this um, before the campaign, during the campaign, um, just about like what kids would want to do with their mental health, because I know we all deal with it differently. And most kids have told me that they would prefer to talk with other kids, with their friends, their peers about mental health challenges. Um, so that's why I have a plan for us to start mental health roundtables at every middle and high school. Uh, these will be flex time meetings for kids to come talk with each other about anxiety, depression, loneliness, challenges with school, or just challenges with life. Um, you know, kids are often better sources of empathy for a lot of things because we go through the same classes, but we go through the same schedule, experiences, um, same culture even, um, that you often can't get from adults, um, no matter how good of a relationship you have with them. Um, so the roundtables are based on a uh, event that we actually ran at Howard before COVID, uh, where kids could come uh, and do those things. And um, as an SGA, we uh, were invited to go to, uh, there as well. And it blew my mind that people actually, you know, talked about that, uh, about their issues there. Because, you know, just like from what I've talked with, with some friends, uh, a lot of kids don't want to talk about their mental health at all. But it, it really showed how when over 30 kids showed up and like opened up really genuinely, um, that we need that source of empathy, that we crave it. Um, and that having access to a network of students that understand what you're going through and can like, you know, through their own life experience, uh, you know, help you through it. Uh, that that's something we absolutely need to provide for our students rather than just being stuck with this one size fits all approach of go get help from an adult or deal with it yourself. That, that's a binary that's just not working for a lot of kids. Um, but, you know, professional help is really important uh, because for some kids or uh, for some issues, kids can't really solve that for you. Um, and you need to talk with the people that, you know, went to college and understand those issues thoroughly. Um, so that's why I'm pushing to increase the number of guidance counselors, psychologists, therapists, and alternative education teachers so that we can reduce the caseloads on each of those mental health staff and empower them to be more available to kids. Um, I know that most kids only ever see their guidance counselor for uh, course scheduling and then for asking awkwardly for a recommendation uh, before they go to college, despite the fact that your counselor doesn't even know you. Um, so, you know, I'd like to reduce caseloads. Um, and if you actually watch my Fireside Friday on mental health, uh, you can learn all about the way that they allocate them. I interviewed uh, Ms. Cami Wagner, the director of student support programs. Um, so yeah, definitely check that out. But at the bottom line, I, I think that it would be great for those counselors to walk the halls, to just be more approachable to kids um, so that we can build those relationships. Um, I know a lot of kids don't ever want to go schedule an appointment with their counselor because that means, at least at Howard, you have to go into, you have to like go into an office, you know, talk at the front desk, you know, set up an appointment, go down the hall, like it's all way out of the way. Um, it, it's just, for most students, it's this big bureaucracy that prevents them from ever getting involved. And like that, that's actually a great parallel with 
school system matters because if you want to go talk with the board, you have to professionally testify. Um, so that's why it's like small town halls are almost the same sort of thing. Um, I also believe that we should start school start times at 8.30 a.m. Uh, I definitely watched the Fireside Friday on that, but it would help us tremendously with our mental health, um, academic proficiency. There's tons and tons of research on that. Um, and being more awake uh, would help us in countless ways and might even reduce mental health uh, needs and demands for students, uh, which would, you know, it's all about, you know, a comprehensive approach. Um, and I, lastly, I think we should talk about mental health in our health classes. Uh, the Maryland State Department of Education uh, recently mandated that now health class is going to be a full year course rather than a half year. Um, and with that extra time, I think we should discuss things like time management strategies, self-care, uh, stuff like that. But the issue is it has to be very different from the way that we run SEL. Because I've heard from a lot, from a lot of kids that SEL just isn't very well received because of the nature of it being a PowerPoint lecture-based thing, uh, telling kids what to do about their mental health. Mental health is really personal. It's something that is different for all of us um, because you know we study with di in different ways. Um, we deal with our mental health in different ways. So if we're able to talk, you know, student to student in our health classes, we'll, you know, learn the information that we need, but also talk about what that means for each of us individually. That's how we empower all students to really absorb it. And that actually parallels with um, the bystander intervention training and implicit bias training for teachers. It's not just about memorizing what we need to do. Like everybody knows we need to not procrastinate. We need to, you know, take our time, focus and do our work. But knowing those things don't really mean a lot if we don't learn how to apply it. And hearing from other students, giving each other advice, you know, talking through it. Um, that's how we get those skills, not just as something we forget, you know, after the test, but we implement it into our day-to-day -day lives. Is there anything else you would like to talk about? Um, I'd love to talk about civic education. What does civic education mean? Um, civic education is a noun that talks about the rights and responsibilities of citizenship. Um, so things like voting, things like getting involved in the particular uh, in the political process, and really standing up for what you believe in. Um, because we live in a representative democracy, a constitutional republic, uh, if you will, and it's predicated on the idea that we have a a public that's willing to talk about the issues in an in informed way. Uh, that, that's willing to hear out people from other sides uh, and make sure that we're not just falling into echo chambers uh, and like only get our news from one source. Um, and that's something that we've been spiraling away from actually in the recent few years, things like fake news with things like um, very, very partisan polarized uh, sources and our unwillingness as a society to talk with each other uh, when we disagree because we only see things in red or blue um, and that really is debilitating. So that's why I'm advocating for conversations, debates, and civil disagreements to be a part of our classes in social studies. Because I think we really need to learn how to be thoughtful members of society that can engage in the political process and do so in a way that's open-minded. Um, recently, I spoke with Ms. Boss. She's the director of um, social studies curriculum. And we discussed how we could integrate those debates in civic education, you know, learning about how to vote and stuff like that into class. Because I believe that school exists to cultivate us into engaged members of society, um, not just robots that plug into equations, not just people that um, take a you know political party test and just go down ballot, or like all the way down the ballot, deciding that's what we want to do. Uh, we, we need to learn about the issues. Well, we need to get involved, uh, figure out what, like think about what issues mean to us as a person on a, uh, that sort of level. Um, it's important that we learn how to engage with each other. So through those debates, uh, you can actually look it up on my website. If you uh, go to peterforsmob.org um, slash civic hyphen education, you can learn about how I break it down by a class period level. Um, it'll be spread across two days. 
we need to learn how to research and articulate arguments on both sides of uh, topics. So some that I threw out there uh, was uh, if political posts should ever be censored on the internet, um, that would be for a government class. Uh, an economics class could talk about under what circumstances are tariffs justified. Um, and a world history class could talk about when is war justified. You know, those are things that you might have an opinion on. You might strongly disagree with someone else about. Um, but, but there's something that, but they are topics that are approachable to students that, that we can learn about. You know, we talk about it in school, um, but we need to get a, into a mindset that we're able to discuss it about what that means for us in the present. Um, so I think equipping students with the opportunity to get involved in those debates um, is really important uh, for a number of reasons. First, we often attach ourselves as people to opinions or ideas, to ideologies, things like that. And we're unwilling to sway from them. And that's a big problem because then when we come into contact with someone uh, who has different opinions, things like that, we're unwilling to ever change our minds because if we ever discuss those things and it turns out that the idea I once thought was right actually doesn't hold up, then that means that me as a person, I'm wrong. And you know that, that attachment to our idea is that, well, we can't be proven wrong because that means that us as a person, we're getting attacked. We need to shut that mindset. Uh, and part of that means getting rid of the fiery rhetoric that we often use the ad hominem, um, which means like attacking the person, we need to learn how to avoid that when we're having discussions, because oftentimes we jump to call people evil or unintelligent. Um, and that's not really always true. Um, so through school, if we have those conversations, we learn how to engage with the issues and debate them, um, but only attack ideas and not people. That'll make us far, far more equipped students to really take on the world, which is the point of school. You know, we can go, we can discuss controversial issues like uh, returning to school, um, the reopening plan, uh, things like SROs, we can do it in a respectful civil way. Uh, when we go out and we're voting on national politics, we can interact with you know different people in the community about those issues rather than having a line in the sand and remaining with the, the gridlock that we see in our society because everything's just about, just about towing the party line. Um, and even like on an apolitical level, it, it's important to learn how to work through disagreements in your personal life, in, in your job, um, because when you know, big issues are on the line. Maybe it has something to do with the future of your company. Uh, it's important that we're able to see things from other people's perspective uh, and really go with the best way forward, the best issue, and have a commitment to learning from it as a person rather than proving that I'm right 100% of the time. This is going to be the big question now. What really makes you unique from all the people that ran for student member of the board and the other finalists or like literally every past student member of the board. What really makes you unique? Um, yeah, I'd say there's uh, quite a few things. Uh, in terms of past SMOMs, I would say my, you know, figuring out how to run SMOM town halls in a legal way uh, is a huge difference. And I'd say probably the most consequential thing in this campaign, uh, you need a SMOM that's willing to, or that understands how to work through the legality of things. Um, and I have lots of experience with that, you know, writing the, uh, or working on the bill for um, that, for protesting, uh, HB 753. Um, also, just being a uh, nationally ranked debater, I'm ranked number two in Maryland uh, for public forum. Uh, you know, I, I, I take the time. I, I know how to get these things done. Um, so I think that's really important, just setting me up to take on the, the future, rebuilding our county in a way that supports students. Um, now, as for differences between me and the other candidate, you know, I absolutely respect him. You know, he has his beliefs. We disagree on a few things. Uh, we have a different uh, plans on how to address some issues. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's something that we can move forward with understanding, once again, like through civic education, that we will work together to find the best idea forward 
um, rather than, you know, it's just about me or you. It's not a binary. It's how we can move together as a county. Um, so just a few of the distinctions um, that I want to bring up is, you know, we, we just talked about it, a civic education. That's something that's entirely unique to my platform. Um, I've been talking about that since the very, very beginning, all the way with a small convention, talking about civic civility and comprehensive mental health. That was my thing at the convention, because I think those are some of the biggest issues. Um, and it's penultimate that we're able to have these conversations um, and leave the politics at the door. Mental health roundtables uh, is unique to my platform. Um, I think it's important that we offer support to all students, uh, you know, through peer-to-peer -peer support, but that we also do it in a way that we're not just banking on uh, clubs already existing, uh, because I know the other candidate, you know, he wants to work with existing active minds, but I think we need to do more than that because we see disparities uh, between club accessibility, uh, especially on the middle school level. You know, some middle schools have full SGA, some have student councils, some have nothing. Some have intramurals uh, doing cool things and some have no clubs. So I, I think it's important that we have mental health roundtables as a countywide um, initiative to make sure that all students have access to it um, to reduce the dis disparities. Because once again, your zip code, your dis uh, school district shouldn't determine whether or not you get the mental health support that you deserve. Um, I'd say that my priority of small town halls is uh, very, very important. Um, I've committed to do that uh, every other week, uh, which aligns with the board meeting schedule uh, because they meet every other week. So that'll make sure that I am hearing from every student or from uh, any interested student uh, before I walk into a board meeting anytime. Um, and that, that time frame being committed to the, the that is uh, unique to my platform. Uh, Fireside Fridays, uh, that's unique as well. Um, I, I think it's important that I do things through video, that I do it through social media. Um, I, I know the other opponent, he does uh, policy briefs, which I think is cool, but I feel like kids do a lot of reading already um, and reading more stuff is really inaccessible. And most kids aren't going to go on websites and go look through documents for that. Uh, but if it's a video that's approachable that you can learn in um, 10 minutes or less, uh, that's something you can do just like when you're you know, waking up, having breakfast, I don't know, whenever you have some free time. Um, and being accessible to all kids is really important rather than only getting the kids that are like so interested, they want to read extra documents. Um, I'd say I'm very, very willing to hear out people and change my mind. I am not saying that I'm going to you know, do or die, like my way or the highway with my platform. I think that if students come talk with me at, their, at my small town halls, uh, and like I hear from kids that, you know, well, we need a different way, a different path forward, I'm absolutely willing to make that happen. Um, I think that it's my role as small, not just to impose my role to you, and I already said that, uh, but also if kids go, come to the small town hall and bring up a perspective that I think the board hasn't heard, uh, whether or not I agree with it, it, it might totally go against my view. Uh, but I think it's important that we raise those perspectives. So I'll work one-on-one -on -one with those students um, to figure out how to you know, sign up to testify and stuff like that, because it's all about accessibility, um, lowering the barrier to entry and making sure that it's not just the people that agree with me that you know get stuff, but everybody is able to have their voice empowered. Um, I have a plan to dis uh, decriminalize disorderly conduct because I think it's important that uh, very subjective offenses, like disorderly conduct, you might wonder, what does that even mean? Um, and that question is something that befuddles uh, teachers all the time. And that's why we see selective enforcement where white students are more likely to have disorderly conduct slash forcing around, just be treated as like, okay, the kid was forcing around, therefore it's not criminalized. Uh, but black students are much more likely to have that be treated as an arrestable offense. And having something so subjective that often comes down to subconscious implicit bias is not something that we can have stand in our school system when we see such truly um, disparate effects. Um, so that, that's something unique to my platform. 
uh, and the Green Schools Alliance. My plan to, uh, that I actually just posted a Fireside Friday um, just a few hours ago on my Instagram, uh, explaining everything about my environmentalism platform, which is pretty thorough, I think. Um, but my favorite thing about the Green Schools Alliance that I want you guys to know is that it would cut costs by 20% for things like water bottle fountains, uh, more efficient electrical and heat systems, green cleaning supplies, and solar panels. Um, and, you know, the, the board is dealing, you know, they just had a meeting uh, yesterday where they talked about how uh, the, the board's expected uh, budget is $30 million short from what the county executive uh, was proposing. You know, the, the board always has a tight budget. There's always stuff that we have to pay for. So I think making sure that we're having a conscious effort to find ways to make our proposals feasible is incredibly important. Uh, and cutting costs by 20% would allow HTPSS operational staff to finally have decisions that don't cost so much uh, so much more to be able to choose the green option. Um, and it's it's all about economics, just like on a psychological level. If um, people are able to choose the sustainable option without incurring too much extra um, financial uh, burden, that's how we make it happen. Not just by you know having big pledges that may or may not be economically feasible. Uh, but yeah, again, like I, I respect the other candidate. Um, I'm really happy about this campaign because we've both been pretty detailed in our proposals, making sure to take the time to do our research, um, ask students about it, and really find the best way forward. Uh, and I hope this election on uh, next Wednesday, you know, well, we're able to move forward and get all the best ideas to the table. Okay, to wrap everything up, I have one last question. What advice could you give people from middle school to even high school? as a leadership position, because I know you used to talk about clubs and like things like SGA and even running for student member of the board in the future. What advice could you really give them? Yeah, um, I'd say your voice is your power. Uh, I love the podcast name, you know, Our Voice. Our voice is our power. Um, a lot of kids I know from middle schools, um, you know, it's that they feel intimidated because especially when you're a student that, you know, isn't extra involved in extracurriculars, um, aren't competing in debates, that's basically only accessible to high schoolers. Um, it, it's a lot harder to get involved in things like that. So I'd say step one, get involved in HCAS. The Howard County Association of Student Councils opens the door for so many things. Um, I joined in seventh grade. Uh, in eighth grade, I uh, became second vice president. Um, and from there, then I decided, hey, I wanted to run a countywide uh, community service project. So I started the Martha's Table Donation Drive. Um, and that blossomed into uh, you know an annual project that we do every year. Uh, and we, with the help of over 100 volunteers, We've put together and donated over or 2,033 full meals to uh, the DC-based Martha's Table. Um, it, it all starts from middle school level. Like if you get involved, uh, you find those opportunities that allow you to go engage in the passions you love. That's important. Um, one of the cool things about HCAST is they have committees. Uh, so I served on the STEM committee. Um, I think when I was a freshman, uh, as a sophomore and as a current junior, I served on the Legislative Affairs Committee, formerly the State Legislative Affairs Committee. Um, and that's where we wrote the, the policy proposal on the right to protest and things like that. Um, but you can also get involved in things like diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, the environment, arts, uh, so, so many things that like you, you'll find your interests. At the end of the day, like for all middle schoolers, find your passion, or like not even just like find your passion. Don't care about what other people think about the things you do. Choose or like explore everything. Um, find things that you care about. Uh, I know I got really into... Uh, drone programming over quarantine because uh, I've always thought drones were cool and I learned how to program in C++. Uh, I've never you know, had much programming experience before that, um, but you know, had a lot of fun with it. So if leadership is a path, uh, path forward for you, then try it out. You know, Maybe run for your SGA if you're interested 
Um, but keep in mind that things aren't about positions. If you go in uh, to like everything in high school, middle school, with the mindset of I need this to get on uh, to get into a college, or I need this just to have another thing on my resume, um, it's not going to work out in the long term because the things that those leadership uh, positions are for is to do things, um, and sitting around just having fancy titles doesn't mean anything. Which is why, like everything that I've done, you know, I, I tried to make a difference. Um, with uh, as co-president of the Music Honor Society, um, I don't think it's enough to just you know run meetings. We ran donation drives where we uh, donated. We even got instruments, uh, music books, accessories, all that stuff uh, to donate to our feeder schools. Um, uh, as Math Honor Society president, you know I don't just do points and tutoring. Uh, I expanded tutoring to make it accessible, um, just like with student to students. Uh, and I ran you know tournaments and stuff like that. Find the things that you care about. Don't do it for anyone else. Do it for the things you love. Um, and in the long run, that'll pay off. Okay, so do you want to tell everyone where they can find you, like your Instagram, your website? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you go to Peter for the number four smob dot org, um, you can find all the stuff. You know, uh, learn more about you know my leadership uh, debate and service experience. Uh, you can also you know learn about how I play saxophone or build drones and play tennis because um, I think you know being a human is cool too. Uh, you can learn more about the the SMOB stuff on that website, uh, learning about the different counties in Maryland, you know, that I touched on a little bit. Uh, get deep into the details of my platform. Uh, you know, you can talk about civic education, real student voice, comprehensive mental health, justice and equity, environmental sustainability, and restore and rebuild. Uh, and if you click the learn more button on either of those or on any of those, uh, you'll go to pages explaining it all in detail. Um, you can also find testimonials on there uh, because I think it's important not just what I say I do, but what other kids say about me. Um, so that's why you'll find many, many um, like honest quotes from students. That's important uh, to learn about who I am as a person. Now, my Instagram, I absolutely recommend that you follow me. It is the same Peter, the number four, SMOB. Um, and on there, I like, you know, I post the regular, you know, SMOB stuff. Um, you know, breaking down my platform. I uh, have board posts. Uh, for example, today I posted one about what the board talked about yesterday. Um, if you want to learn all about that, because uh, I, you know, I know there was discussion around a four-day schedule. You can learn about what they decided about that there. Um, you can also find reels on there, which is where I play uh, piano or saxophone because I play those instruments. And I figured I might as well, you know, use this for small. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I hope you guys vote. Uh, you know, if you follow my stuff, you'll look into the platform, look who I am as a person. Uh, I hope that tells you what you need to know and uh, make sure to make an informed vote on next Wednesday. So elections are the 5th of May, right? Absolutely, May 5th through May 7th. And an important uh, caveat there is that on May 7th, it ends at noon. So if I were you, I would vote on May 5th or May 6th, but definitely go for the 5th. Um, don't wait until the afternoon of Friday because it'll be too late. Well, go follow my Instagram at ourvoice.pod for more updates. And follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this on. And thank you. Have a nice day.